Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. together as we open the word. Father, we thank you so much for the things that we've heard from you already this morning, for your word in the songs that we've sung and the testimonies that have been brought, the scripture um, that's been brought now. And um, Lord, we trust you that you will guide us through this morning. Holy Spirit, would you come upon us and reveal truth, reveal Jesus, and um, just point out so clearly to us the right path to take in response to your word this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Great. Um, It's great to be with you. If you don't know me, my name is Sharon. Um, Hello, everyone. Um, So we've been doing a series, for those of you who've not been around perhaps all the time, we've been looking at a series called The Cross and the Crown, Um, probably since about February. We've been looking at the, um, all that the cross accomplished, all that Jesus accomplished on the cross, and we've been looking at his crown. Some of the things that we've talked about have been um, the fact that every enemy was defeated yes. on the cross. Yes. Every enemy. Yes. We have looked at the works of the devil being destroyed by Jesus on the cross. It says in Colossians 2:15 that he, that is Jesus, disarmed the rulers the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. We've looked at some pictures of Jesus um, and the cross in the life of of Moses. We've looked at that in the Passover. We've looked at the sacrifices that the Israelites brought where there was provision for every need. We've looked at how that pointed towards the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross and how that in that work... Uh, there's provision for every need. There's provision for death, for sin, for sickness, for suffering. There's provision for a right relationship with God. There's provision for peace with God and peace with one another. We can have the next slide, Daz, thank you. Um, And more recently, on that theme, Phil talked about how the cross has enabled us to come into the presence of God, how the presence of God um, was first um, in in a tent in the wilderness, um, tabernacle was built, a temple was built. But in the New Testament, we see that as Jesus died and as he then poured out his spirit, the presence of God indwells us by his spirit as believers. And when we gather together, we know that. We've looked at the crown. We've looked at the many crowns, the royal crowns of Christ. He is the one that wears the many royal crowns. Yes. And we've looked at our response to that, which is to cast our crowns before him because of all he is and all that he's done. And, you know, we've really seen a response to these things in the last few weeks. Hasn't it been great to stand here, sit here and witness people making their confession of faith and repentance, of being baptised in water, of being filled with the Spirit, of um, being added to the church... Those are responses in us here in Market Harbour to all that Christ has done. And it's been so great to see those. 
you know there's been a, a response in me, I think, as well as we've looked at some of these things. Uh, sometimes I get a bit of a leap in my heart <laughs> with some of these things. And I suppose it um, started when we talked about the presence of God being in us, being in us when we meet together. Next slide, Daz, thank you. Um, because there's this thing in the Old Testament where God's presence, as I said, was in a tent, in a tabernacle. Actually, God's presence was in a, a box, the Ark of the Covenant. And there was this thing that God said, which was that only the priests could carry his presence. But now we're not in that same covenant. We have a new covenant. And as the people of God, we are priests. And we carry the presence of God in us. 1 Peter 2 says, uh, verse 9, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests a holy nation, God's very own possession. Ephesians 2, verse 19 and 20, um, Paul writes, together, and that's really important, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ himself. We're carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And through him, we also are being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. That's wonderful. The presence of God dwells in us by his spirit. And when we meet together, there's a further increase of the presence of God in us because he says, where you gather in my name, there I am in the midst of you. The Bible talks about God being enthroned on the praises of his people. When we gather and we praise and lift up his name, there's an increase of the presence of God among us. And um, the thing about that is that it's all for a purpose. And that's what has leapt in my heart recently. There's a verse in, in Exodus 33, verse 16, where Moses is talking to God. And he says, Moses says of God, for your presence among us sets us apart from all other people on the earth. We are a presenced people. That's probably not very grammatically correct, but we are a people of the presence. And we are set apart from something for something. We're not set apart to be on our own, isolated, um, in our own little bubble. We are set apart for something. The Bible talks as being set apart for holiness, Mm -hmm. being set apart for God. Mm -hmm. Paul, um, we read of Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13, the Holy Spirit spoke to the people as they were gathered, right? That's pretty cool, isn't it? The Holy Spirit spoke to the people as they gathered in worship and prayer and said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Paul, for the work to which I have called them. They were set apart on the instruction of the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, for the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul, in Romans 1, describes himself as set apart for the gospel, the good news of God. So we are a people marked out by the presence of God, set apart for the purpose of God. A people marked out by the presence of God, set apart for the purpose of God. You mustn't have any smaller view 
of who we are. Because that's what the word of God says. And I want us to consider a little bit about that purpose. That's a huge topic. (laughs) And I'm going to barely scratch the surface this morning. But I believe as we just explore this a little bit, the Holy Spirit will prompt us as to our purpose. We have just... um, heard the word of God read that if we trust him he will guide us yeah. and I believe that we will know that this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit yes, amen. so um, when we've been considering the cross and the crown just to go back to that for a second we've thought about the crown as a crown on someone's head on Christ's head the many royal rounds of Christ mm. but as I've been considering that I I the thought came to me that there is another aspect of the crown that we hear about. So in a system where there is a monarchy, like we have in this country, the crown can refer to something other than the crown on the queen's head. The crown refers to everything that is owned by the queen, the royal estate, all the lands and holdings, businesses and properties owned by the monarchy. It's called the crown estate. And the Queen, actually, she does a lot of things, but what she doesn't do is go around and very carefully manage every little bit of her crown estate. Mm. She has people specifically set apart for that purpose. They're called crown um, estate commissioners. And these people exercise the authority and power of the crown. They don't own the lands, the Queen does in after fashion, the monarchy does. But they exercise the power of ownership with the authority of her crown. So you can probably see where this is heading. (laughs) But um, Psalm 24, verse 1 and 2 says this. Next slide, Daz. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its peoples belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundations on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. We have a king of kings and lord of lords. One crowned with many royal crowns. And he has a crown estate. And it's no less than the earth, the world and all its people. And it goes beyond that. Colossians 2 says... Christ is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. It all belongs to him. We have a king with a crown estate that covers everything. And as the church of God, we are set apart, having the presence of God in us for purpose, to be crown estate commissioners, to bring the authority and power of the king to this crown estate. It started in Genesis 1, verse 28, where God had made male and female in his image, and he commissioned them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. And when Jesus had died, was risen for the dead and recommissioned his disciples, he said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. 
We are people of the presence of God, here for purpose. And this is our purpose. You know, we, we hear about this concept of a footprint, a carbon footprint. Um, the next slide is a sandy footprint, but you get the picture, hopefully. Um, now, I had to look up the definition of a carbon footprint because I didn't know what it was. So I believe that the BBC website is fairly trustworthy, particularly their GCSE geography page, which is where I got this from. And this is it. <laughs> um, a carbon footprint is the measure of the impact of our activities on the environment. A measure of the impact of our activities on the environment. Now, it's typically speaking of greenhouse gases and how much we use and how that relates to carbon dioxide and, and what our, our use of those resources is. But we have a footprint as the people of God. As people of the presence here for purpose, our activities have an impact. We have a kingdom footprint. Everywhere we go, we leave footprints. We make an impression. We leave our mark. And when we carry the presence of God, as we do as the people of God, when we live out the rule and reign of the King of kings and Lord of lords, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we leave kingdom footprints everywhere we go. We have an impact on our community. Just think for a moment of the places that you go to regularly, maybe once a week, maybe once a month. Streets, neighbours' homes, schools, school gates, um, shops, pubs, restaurants, maybe the police station, council offices, um, workplaces, homes, Market Harbour, Desborough, Rothwell, Peru, London, Milton Keynes, and I know there are stacks of people here at Johannesburg who've been in far-flung places that I haven't mentioned. Everywhere we go, footprints, 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 and we have the potential to leave kingdom footprints wherever we go. And I just want to say this as well, that kingdom footprints are not the pitter and patter of tiny feet. They are the strong, lasting impression of countless, powerful, presenced feet. The strong, lasting impression of countless, powerful, presenced feet. So let's just think about what our kingdom footprint is. Could you turn with me to Isaiah, please? We've got a few scriptures to look at that I think will help us to understand the potential our feet have. So Isaiah 52. I'm going to read a few verses, but then really just highlight one, which always feels a shame when you've got such an amazing whole passage, but I can't do all that this morning. So Isaiah 52, we're going to read from verse 7. No, we're not. We're going to read from verse 4, sorry, to verse 7. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Long ago, my people chose to live in Egypt. Now they are oppressed by Assyria. What is this? Asked the Lord. Why are my people enslaved again? Those who rule them shout in exultation. My name is blasphemed all day long. 
but I will reveal my name to my people and they will come to know its power. Then at last they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. Can we have that verse up? Thank you, Des. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, good news of happiness, that means, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. That's the NIV version. You know, because of the cross and all that Christ has accomplished on the cross, we have good news to tell. And we have kingdom feet that wherever they go can leave footprints that speak of that good news. We have a message of love that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. We have a message of the forgiveness of sin. We have the message of a right relationship with God our Father and of sons and heirs of all his promises. We have a message of peace, of peace with God and of peace with one another. We have a message that speaks of entry into the kingdom of God where his reign of righteousness, joy and peace in the Holy Spirit brings abundant life. We have a message of sure and certain hope and of the restoration of all things because of the cross and all that Jesus did on that. And when we proclaim this good news, we leave kingdom footprints wherever we are. To proclaim in that sense means to announce something and to announce it to make it generally known. This is a publishing of the good news. It's not a quiet whisper. It's a strong declaration announcing the good news in a way that brings understanding. That's the meaning of that word. And that's what we do when we um, declare that message. Let's turn to another passage. Just a few pages on Isaiah 61. And I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come. That's a really familiar passage, I'm sure, that we've, we've heard before. And we've talked before about Isaiah 53 when it, it speaks of what Christ did on the cross. We have a message that deals with sickness, yeah. suffering, yeah. fear, death because of the cross. We have a message that deals with oppression of every kind, including demonic oppression, because of the cross where Christ disarmed and shamed every spiritual ruler and authority. We have a message of good news for people in difficult situations, for people under peer pressure, for people in financial need, for people in broken relationships, for people who need a job, for people who are struggling with materialism or loneliness or insecurity. We have a message of good news through the cross. 
there isn't any other answer or message. It all comes through the wealth of the cross and all that Christ has accomplished for us. And we leave kingdom footprints everywhere we go and we declare this message and demonstrate it. And if we're thinking about demonstrating it, then we really need to think about Jesus. Because in so many ways, Jesus um, is our forerunner. He's gone before. He's shown the way. And if we think about his ministry, as we read it in the New Testament, we might see it as a, a single set of footprints that declares the good news. He announced the kingdom of God. He was the one who said of Isaiah 61 that that was his ministry. He made that really clear. So let's look at his kingdom footprint. Would you like to turn to Matthew chapter 4? Good. (laughs) I'm so pleased. Matthew 24, and we're going to start reading at verse 23. Jesus travelled throughout the region of Galilee teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick and whatever their sickness or disease or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralysed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea and from east of the Jordan. His kingdom footprint was clear to see. He announced the kingdom of God, he preached the good news, and he demonstrated in action the kingdom of God by healing every illness and sickness, by delivering people who were oppressed, including by demons. This was the kingdom footprint of Jesus. And this is the same purpose that we are called to. It's just incredible, isn't it? I think, you know, there's the occasion where Jesus describes himself as, I am the light of the world. But then he says to his followers, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And goes on to say that their light will give light to everyone in the house. We read of those stories of Jesus. He does wonderful things. He teaches with authority. He performs miracles. He heals. And then he said to his followers in John 14, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Jesus left a most incredible single set of kingdom footprints. But when he recommissioned his followers in Matthew 28, saying, I have all authority, therefore go, he released multiple kingdom feet, multiple feet of people filled with the presence of God, bringing good news and leaving kingdom footprints in all the nations. And from those multiple feet, there have been hundreds and thousands and yet millions of kingdom feet of a people of the presence of God here for the purpose of God leaving kingdom footprints everywhere they go let's look at Mark 16 
reading from verse 15. And it says this. Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptised will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honour at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Kingdom footprints, kingdom footprints. And it's no different for us. We are people filled with the presence of God, here for the purpose of God. And it's time for these kingdom feet and our kingdom feet to leave their mark, to leave a lasting impression on the people and places we go to of the kingdom of God. To live out, to declare, to proclaim, to demonstrate the kingdom of God and the good news Think again about all those places that you go to every week, every month. Opportunities for kingdom feet to declare the good news and to demonstrate it wherever we go. This is our purpose. Um, I think we can have the next slide, although I've kind of forgotten where we've got to. Yes, that will do fine. Lots of kingdom feet and footprints. Um, there's just another principle, I believe, a kingdom principle for us to consider. Um, and it's this, just to go back to the story of Moses and the Israelites in the Exodus for a moment. When Moses was going to Pharaoh and saying, God says, let my people go, Pharaoh, to start with, wouldn't, well, he wouldn't entertain it at all. And then, of course, there were some plagues and things got rather uncomfortable. So he said, oh, well, you can let the men go. And Moses said, no, that's not enough. God sent another plague. And Moses goes back to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, well, you can, you can let the men and, and the women and the little ones go. And Moses um, said to Pharaoh, and I'd love to have seen this. <laughs> he says, no, not a hoof is to be left behind in Egypt. He was making the point that the whole of the Israelite community, and in that statement, including their herds and flocks, was to be brought out. Not a hoof was to be left behind. You can almost hear him stumping his foot as he said it. Not a hoof to be left behind. And that's really important for us. And when the people of Israel, and they did come out, not a hoof was left behind. They came out in their entirety and they were brought through the wilderness. And when they, when they came to enter the promised land, there was another principle that was um, set out for them because they were entering um, the promised land that God had given them. And the principle he said to them, God said this, he said, wherever you set your foot, that land is yours. Sorry. 
not a hoof left behind in Egypt, but wherever you set your foot is your land. What does that what does that mean for us? When we consider the work that Jesus has done on the cross, the entirety of it, the victory of it, every enemy defeated, every provision made, when he said it is finished, not a hoof left behind. All that Jesus has done is all sufficient for us. It contains for us everything we need and everything every other person in the world and the world and creation itself needs for fullness and restoration. Jesus has done it all. It is finished. Not a hoof left behind. And he says to us, wherever you set your foot, it's your land. And it's... It's our land to claim because it is his crown state. Yes. Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its peoples belong to him. Yes. Yeah. Wherever we set our foot, we leave kingdom footprints because that's his declaration for us. Yes. And we need to know that there are no no-go areas for us. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. There are no no-go areas with it. And I believe we need to be people who will step into places where no one else will step. There are no no-go areas for the kingdom of God in your family, in your home, amongst your neighbours, in your workplaces, in our schools. There are no no-go areas. So let's consider our footprints. I don't mean for us to look back and think about what footprints have I made before. I want us to look forward and see the impact our footprints can have wherever we are. No no-go areas. Impact that the kingdom of God has through us when we um, proclaim it and demonstrate it. Knowing that we are people who carry the presence of God, Mm. who have this great purpose of proclaiming and demonstrating it. People who know that wherever we set our foot, God is with us and his kingdom will come. We're people who say, God... Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, let your will be done. That's who we are. That's who we are. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.